official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Well, as Adam mentioned, we're wrapping up our series this morning, Rooted. And we've been looking at a different Hebrew or Greek word every week and exploring it a little bit more in depth. And so we've been doing this all summer. How many of you have been enjoying it? Yes. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, we've, we've not only been unpacking the meaning, the history of the words, but we've been exploring narratives, images, how these words apply to our lives as we've been looking at them. And today we're wrapping it up with one last word, and we're going to be looking at the Hebrew word teshuva. Can you say it with me? Teshuva. Teshuva. Now, normally we've been leading the sermons with the English word translation and definition right up front, right in the beginning, but we're not going to do that this morning. And so I ask just if you know it, don't shout it out. If you know what teshuva is, if you are a Hebrew scholar, or if you've stumbled upon this word at some point, or maybe if you know it and you just can't help but let it out, like whisper it to your neighbor so, they're, so that they can be impressed by you, right? So teshuva, and the reason we're not going to give an English word or translation right up front is because we want to explore the depth of this word in the original Hebrew context before we do. Is that all right? Is that all right? Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure because my notes assumed that you were going to be all right with that. So the word teshuva, it finds its beginning, its root in the very beginning of scripture. In Genesis 1 and 2, there's a creation narrative, which is actually like an ancient Hebrew poem that records the, the creation of the world. And, and in this creation sequence, we see that all that God creates, God declares good. It's the Hebrew word tov, so God creates. And then he declares over his creation, it is good. Can you say it is good? It is good. And the culmination of this creation narrative is actually the creation of humanity which it says that these humans are created in the image of God. And God declares the culmination of his creation very good. Can you say very good with me? Very good. We're practicing. We're, we're learning here in Vermont to be a little less this and a little bit more this. It feels good, right? Like we don't always have to be like this. We can sometimes be like this. And if you're not ready yet, that's cool too. So, and what you didn't know is in Vermont, some of us are not even comfortable doing this. It's like, we're, we'll, we'll raise our hand like this in our heart, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> yes, and everyone laughs because it's very true. So in the beginning, creation is blessed by God. This is how the story starts. This is how the story begins. And from there, the narrative turns to the story of humanity wandering away from God's original intent of good. 
We see uh, in Genesis 3 that the very first humans wander away from God's original intent that they would enjoy and participate in the shalom, the goodness that God created in the world that existed, that was embedded into the fabric of creation, this goodness, right? And what I found to be true about this story is that this story is our story. This is the story of humanity. We wander, we walk away from shalom, we walk away from goodness when we participate in the destruction of the earth, when we hurt one another, when we lie to one another, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? We wander away from that goodness. And so we wander in individual ways, but we also wander in corporate ways as well. Let me explain what I mean. We collectively wander when we participate in systems that violate that goodness, that violate the shalom of creation when we participate in systems that contribute to the destruction of the earth, when we participate in systems that oppress, marginalized, that, that make someone out to be the other or less than human. We participate corporately in systems as well, systems of wandering, you might say. And this is where we get the word teshuva. Say it with me one more time, teshuva. There's a moment when we realize we've participated in a wandering away from the good and beautiful life and world that God intended. And it's as if we're on one path and heading one way, but then we turn around and we return. And that's what happens when we teshuva. It comes from the root word shuv, which is to actually physically turn. And it also carries in it this idea of returning. And so what can this look like? How many of you have been on a road trip and you've realized at some point you're headed in the wrong direction? Yes, yes, yeah, a lot of us, right? You're heading the wrong direction, and if it wasn't your fault, you got really mad at someone else. And if it was your fault, you felt very ashamed, right? But at some point along the way, your GPS malfunctioned. Or if you're looking at a road map, like a piece of paper that has roads and other things on it, I have no idea why you would, but maybe you're, you're looking at an actual map, and you made a wrong turn at some point. We're, we're familiar with this experience. This happened to me recently, just a couple weeks ago, when our family was visiting my wife's family in upstate New York. And I was driving. And I, I actually, I didn't make a wrong turn, but I didn't make a turn that I was supposed to make. Thankfully, it only added about like 15 minutes to our journey. And I, I'm not even quite sure anyone remembered that I didn't make the turn because I listened to fantasy football podcasts when we're driving somewhere. It's that time of the year. Everyone in Vermont is also like, what is football and what is especially fantasy football? Okay. Don't judge me. This is judgment-free, right? Okay. So I think my whole family was asleep. It was a good thing. I was getting the fantasy football knowledge. The rest of my family had an opportunity to be bored to sleep. And to get their rest in, right? And they didn't even notice I didn't make the turn, right? And 
I had to adjust at some point because we were going the wrong way and make a turn that set us back on course to our destination. Uh, this actually happened to me uh, a few years ago on a road trip from Oregon to Vermont, except I was the one asleep this time. And when I woke up, we were about uh, uh, over 100 miles off course. And the person who was driving was one of those people who was insistent that we use the actual paper road map because they wanted to be like OG or something. I don't even know. I was like, why? This sounds like a terrible idea. I'm the type of person who I cannot navigate anywhere without Google Maps on my phone. But can I get a woot woot for Google Maps? <laughs> I don't know. I love, I love Google Maps. It helps me. Anyways. We're off course, but even in that instance, we're able to course correct and turn in order to make our destination. And to me, that's an image of what teshuva is, is that there's a moment where we realize we are off course and we need to turn and course correct in order to head back to our destination. But this is the nuance of the Hebrew word teshuva, is that it's not just turning to head to a particular destination, but that particular destination is actually a return to God's original intent of goodness, shalom, wholeness in the world. It's a turning. And so this is very much the meaning of that. Have you ever been or had a moment when you realized you needed to teshuva? You could call that moment like a morning after moment. Like what have I done? How have I got here? How did I find myself so off course, right? Let me share, share one of the ways in which I have these teshuva moments very often in my relationship with my wife, Luann. I wake up the next day and I'm like, I can't believe I said what I said. Sometimes I have that when I MC here at Church at the Well as well. I'm like, I can't believe I said that while I was emceeing. <laughs> I have a teshuva moment, a turning. Like, I can't believe I said that. And so I have this moment where I I need to turn. And this is what we see in scripture. I'm going to read a a stanza uh, that that uses this word in Psalm 34. It says this, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So the word depart there is teshuva. Teshuva from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. It's a turning from but it's also a returning to. This is teshuva. Okay, now, um, are you all ready for the English word? Has anyone figured it out? Not if you already knew it. Has anyone figured it out? Just shout it out. Repent. Yeah, exactly. Repent. I think you guys did good. You did good. Teshuva is most often translated into the English word, repent, which I imagine for many of us doesn't conjure up images of a return to shalom or goodness. Am I right in that? For many of us, it conjures up images of, right? What is that, right? Many of you have probably seen a sign like this on the way to see your favorite band in concert, right? (laughs) Y'all don't listen to bands where protesters come out with signs like this, right? 
which is why I, I wanted to start with the Hebrew meaning, because there's so much baggage associated with this word, repent, right? Let's see if I can get this on there. Here we go. There's so much baggage, right, associated with this word, repent. But teshuva, now that's a word that can change us. In many ways, our understanding of the English word repent, it starts with the narrative of wandering, all of the ways in which we've missed the mark, all of the ways in which we've made a mess of things. That's an important part of the story. It's important to be able to name those things. But the story doesn't start there. The story starts with shalom. It starts with good. It starts with created in the image of God. And if you're anything like me, you have a hard enough time dealing with cycles of shame, disappointment with yourself, that the last thing you need is some preacher or some church or some sign, right? Telling you all of the ways in which you've missed the mark, all of the ways in which you've failed, all of the ways in which you've contributed to the brokenness in yourself or in the world, right? There's so many voices, internal, external, telling us that narrative all the time. That's not the biblical narrative of teshuva. It's not. Jesus begins his ministry in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 4 verse 17 records this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In many ways, the image of Jesus in the gospels is the opposite of the hellfire and brimstone preachers standing outside our concert venues, right? And I bring up those people, not because I want to criticize them or condemn them, I'm sure that a lot of them have, um, are compelled by a narrative of concern, no matter how misguided or unbiblical their methods really are. Um, I bring it up because I don't want us to throw out this word because of all of the baggage, all of the ways it's been misused, mischaracterized in modern culture. Because teshuva is a call home. It's a call to return This is how Jesus starts, with a call for all of us to not only own all of the ways in which we've participated in the mess of this world, but it's a call home. It's a return. And so we don't have to be afraid to name all of the ways in which we've participated or ashamed because teshuva Teshuva starts with good, it starts with shalom, it starts with created in the image of God, and it's a call, it's a return home. So we don't have to, in the naming of our brokenness, the naming of the ways in which we've participated, feel ashamed, feel terrible about ourselves in that process, because it's a moment where we realize that the very opposite is true, that God created us in his image and wants, a, wants to restore us, right? God wants to restore us and then wants to use us to participate in bringing wholeness back to the world. Teshuva from evil and then do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So Jesus not only invites us to Teshuva, but Jesus actually breaks the cycle of endless wandering. 
That's what the work of Jesus does for us. Through Jesus' life, his death on a cross, his resurrection, we're actually invited onto a new path that leads to shalom. So we're called off the path we're on. We found ourselves off course, and the work of Jesus actually invites us onto a new path that leads us home into the presence of God. In the kingdom of God, we're not defined by our worst moments. We're defined by the work of reconciliation, restoration, and renewal in Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Something that Christ has accomplished for us. And it's with that understanding that we can embrace the beautiful rhythm and practice of teshuva. Okay. Can I give you all a few things you can take away from this word this morning on how you might be able to engage and embrace a rhythm and practice of teshuva in your own life? Okay, I have four ways, and then we'll wrap up and and we'll sing one last song together. The first is this. Embrace the narrative that you're loved by God. Embrace the narrative that you're loved by God. To teshuva is first to embrace that narrative, that you're loved by God. In the biblical context, repentance is a sign of actually being welcomed in to the radical love of God. And that welcome comes by grace. It comes not by trying to earn forgiveness through feeling terrible and ashamed. We teshuva when we realize we are invited to return home. So it starts there. The message of scripture, Jesus, isn't just about forgiveness. It's not just about feeling sorrowful about all of the ways in which we've made a mess of things. It's certainly not. Look how terrible you are. And if you only realized how terrible you were, you would then be forgiven by God, not earning forgiveness. We teshuva. This word illustrates one of the larger narratives, I think, of scripture, which is the return from exile. Forgiveness is a large narrative in scripture, but so is return from exile, a return home. Now, what if the sign didn't read, repent or burn? But what if the sign read, you can come home? We start there. We start there. Embrace the narrative that you're loved, that you can come home, that you're created in the image of God. That you're invited into the kingdom of God. That you're not defined by your worst moments. That you're not defined by all of the ways in which you've participated and made a mess of things. Second thing we can take away from this word teshuva. Take responsibility when you wander. When we're grounded in the love of God and when our identity is in Christ, teshuva frees us to be honest. When you know who you are in Christ... You're free. You're free to ask for forgiveness and be honest without participating in the endless cycles of shame and guilt. When we realize the story doesn't start in Genesis 3, the story starts in Genesis 1 and 2. It's much easier to be compelled to teshuva. It's an invitation back home into shalom. So we are then free to name all of the ways we've missed the mark. We've sinned. We've wandered because it's not the full story and our identity is rooted in the love of God. 
And so we don't have to be afraid of, of naming those things, whether they're individual things or corporate things, right? And so we are free to mourn and lament when we look at images of the Amazon rainforest on fire, right? And we can name all of the which we contribute ourselves to systems corporately that contribute to the destruction of the earth, the earth that God placed us in to care for and steward, right? We can lament that. We can mourn that. We can name that. All of the ways we've participated in that for our own consumption and convenience, right? We don't have to be afraid to name that sin, right? Or we can name uh, the, the ways in which we have participated in systems that contribute to racial prejudice or oppression, right? We don't have to be afraid to say, I have contributed to that by living and existing and contributing in a system that perpetuates racial oppression, racial violence, marginalization of the poor, etc. right? We can name it. We can name our privilege. We can name the sin of racism and not be afraid of it. We can name it. It's not easy, but we don't have to be afraid of it. And we're actually free to do it because we're not rooted in it. Three, work for justice, peace, restoration, reconciliation. When you name it, you actually are empowered to turn away from it and work for good, work for shalom, work for peace, work for justice, work for reconciliation, right? Psalm 34, to shuva from evil and do good, seek peace, pursue it. This is kingdom of God work. Can I get an amen? Amen. A part of repentance is contributing to the restoration of shalom. It's participating in the work of God in renewing a broken world, a world God plans to fully restore. Side note, creating beauty through art can actually be an act of teshuva, an act of repentance in contributing to the creation of good and beautiful. It's another sermon, but in Genesis 1 and 2, we see in the Hebrew that the creation that God made is actually not a static creation. It's dynamic. It's moving. It's producing. And he invites humanity to participate in the dynamic, ongoing goodness of creation, which means creating beauty, whether it's art or our work can be an act of teshuva. This last one, it's a little counterintuitive. Four, celebrate. Celebrate. Sorrow, grief, brokenness, remorse, all of that is actually part of teshuva because teshuva can be incredibly painful when we have that moment, when we realize we're off course, when we, the, in the naming of it. But it is also incredibly healing. It's incredibly healing. And so this can lead us to an opportunity to celebrate. You don't celebrate the sorrow, the pain, the brokenness. That's not what you celebrate. You celebrate that the GPS turned back on. And you're welcomed onto a new path that's leading you home. You celebrate that it was graciously revealed to you that you are wandering and that you're invited into the shalom the peace of God. You can come home. You celebrate that teshuva is an invitation to come home. Teshuva, we're invited home. So let's say it all together one last time, enthusiastically, 
maybe put an exclamation point on this word, teshuva, right? And then we'll pray and we'll sing one last song together. Is that okay? Awesome, okay. So on the count of three, we'll do one more last enthusiastic teshuva. One, two, three. Teshuva. Teshuva. I'm going to invite you to stand and the band is going to come up and lead us in one last song. God, we thank you that you invite us home. That there are all sorts of voices, internal, external, that tell us every day, all week, that we're not good enough, that we're not embraced, that our mistakes and our worst moments define us. And we thank you that that's just not true in the kingdom of God and that Jesus begins his ministry with a message of teshuva, of turning back, of a welcoming home. God, for all of us who have wandered in this room, we might even find ourselves this morning in a moment when you were hearing your voice calling us home. We've realized we've missed the mark. We realize we're a bit off course, but you're inviting us back home. God, I pray that your spirit would speak a word of grace, love, and truth to those of us who are in that space today. Help us to take this word, teshuva, and incorporate it into a rhythm and a practice that doesn't oppress, that doesn't contribute to the endless cycles of shame or guilt or feeling terrible about ourselves, but actually leads us to freedom. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word, which encourages us, challenges us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 